Hello and welcome to the Little Minds Big Ideas podcast, the weekly show with the Early Years Network. Today we have got uh, what we're hoping to be quite a practical episode for you all. I'm hoping that what we are talking about is going to help you sort of day to day, uh, reinforce information that you already know, um, or just keep on the track that you're doing everything right. So today we are going to talk all about physical development in early years. Um, it's going to be quite a brief chat, I think, because our, we have got a video coming onto the platform. I think next month will be. Probably, yeah. Yep. Um, all about physical development that goes deeper and dives into it a little bit more. So we thought we'd just give you a sneak peek into, well, the, into that. The ones definitely coming this month, I put up a little Instagram post about a couple of days ago. Monster Stories up. I managed to get that today. We had a slight technical hiccup yesterday <laughs> when did. I came to post everything that all suddenly... Um, disappeared, so that was good. But Montessori is up today um, or this morning. Will be up soon, Loose hopefully. parts will be up. Staff inductions will be up, and outdoor learning. Your outdoor learning video will all go up. So um, yeah, and that's minimum. If I can get some more stuff done for the end of this month, we might have a few extras. So yeah, we thought we'd give you a taster on the podcast of what is to come on the platform. Do you know when you told me about today's topic? Mm. Um, do you know what came to my mind first thing? Mm. Do you remember that that meme I sent you um, where it was, uh, it was that guy who's putting um, protein powder in his, um, oh, his formula? <laughs> baby's milk. We're not going to be doing, talking about that. So we're not talking about baby's bodily um, weightlifting today? No. no, not today. Maybe oh, okay. next time. Um, anyone watching or on the social media platforms, I would just like to say that I had my network hoodie on first and um, Ben has just copied. You actually had mine on first. Regardless, I had my outfit picked out first. I brought, can I wear my network hoodie today? I've got day of filming, be on brand. I didn't go for the white socks, I went black. And um, Ben has copied, so I just wanted to put that out there quickly. Friday's staff uniform for the network. Well, Friday is my network day, so yeah. Anyway, we are digressing. So, physical development. Mm -hmm. First of all, I yeah. wanted to look at the sort of environment that we provide for children yep. to support their physical development. Um, I sometimes think that when we think about physical development, everyone thinks you just get outside. <laughs> yeah, running around. Running around, which is a very important part of physical development, but it's not the be-all and end-all, so I kind of wanted to break it down a little bit. Yeah. Are you... Do you know what always sticks with me as well when we talk about that aspect? Of, yeah. Do you remember when we had Ben Kingston News on and he talked about how some children are naturally, uh, not he's scared's not the right word, but like they don't enjoy the term physical exercise yeah. or things like that, and that's why he often talks about it's like a knockdown ginger, not not knockdown ginger. That's something old, isn't it? Some sort of ninja game he spoke about. Do you remember? I think so. And he talked about a um, a game that he played. I can't remember the reference of it, but it was just interesting when he talks about play and just getting children to partake in physical activities and development. Just yeah. Playing games as opposed to trying to label it anything more, more in terms of like sport or physical activity. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, yeah, you're right. Not all children want to actively run over like when you get to school and it's at sports day some kids absolutely hate that we um, see it every day because when the children go to forest school from the setting we're at we see them when they walk past the network offices don't they yeah and they go up to forest school and some of them are like racing up there whereas others takes about half an hour to... once they're up there they love it <laughs> but the walk up there is um quite arduous yeah but then again they've all got backpacks on that about oh, 10 sizes nice. too big for them there's nothing as cute as a toddler trying to walk with a backpack on. I'm sorry, but it's just adorable. Anyway, 
So in terms of indoor space, especially yep. for babies, yep. making sure that the space is uh, clean and safe yeah, absolutely. is massive because one big part of physical development for babies is actually moving their limbs. Yeah. And if they've not got, if you've not got the space um, for them to have tummy time or be exploring and moving their arms and legs in an adequate space around them, it can be really difficult for them to develop those yeah. fine motor skills or gross motor skills, sorry, um, and those muscle developments that they need. So if a child is just sat in a bouncer all day, that's not enough space. No, 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 no. For them to to stretch and do what they need to do and learn how their body moves. Well, the thing is, it's got a tr it's a tricky one here because I always say I always use terminology struggle when you talk about a baby and their physical development mm. because you have to give them the time and space to struggle. Yeah. Um, and now I'm, when I say that, I don't mean you should allow them to get to an emotional level of distress where they are just distressed and upset yeah. because that's not helping anyone and then you're causing probably damage from an emotional development standpoint. But there has to be a middle ground of not doing everything for them all the time and allowing them to actually physically be challenged enough that if they want something, they've got to put a little bit of effort in and move their bodies. Otherwise, you'll create problems further down the line of if they never have to move for anything, how would their bones and muscles and everything, the structure of their body, how will have that developed if... It's never been used. Yeah. No, you know, you're completely right, yeah. Because we have this understanding of adults, as i.e. we go to the gym and over repetition over time by breaking the muscle down, it then grows back stronger and stronger. That's how bodybuilding and everything sort of works. And the same just for physical endurance and running and everything. You build your stamina up, your lung capacity. Infants are no different. No. That it takes time and repetition of using those body parts. So it's a fine fine line of, of, of allowing them to struggle and not get into the level of emotional distress. You've skipped ahead. Oh, have I? Yeah, you have. Oh, okay, sorry. You do this every week. <laughs> every week I have a system and a process that I want to go through when we talk. And you always jumped. <laughs> sorry. That's okay. But you are right. So in terms of the space we're providing, it's again the same for older children as you move through. Mm. Two-year-olds. I don't know many two-year-olds who don't just love to get from one place to another really fast. Because they've just learned. They've just learned and they're like, I'm off. See you later. It's like a teenager who's just got a car. So it's about looking at the environment that we're providing and does your indoor environment allow for that for the children? Um, there has to be boundaries in place. You can't run all the time inside. But if a child has got a schema that, that's their following, that they're trying to, are dropping something and, it, and then they run after it, is there any harm in them running and getting that to bring it back and carry on what they're doing? Um, so I think it's about looking at the environment and is what you're doing safe for the children and if all the children are expressing and demonstrating desires to want to run and we're constantly limiting them and telling them they can't it's, it's, we should be reflecting upon ourselves and our practice and our environments and going hang on a second these children are showing in innate want to want to do this yes i understand they can't do it all the time but if they're struggling or always wanting to do it, are we giving them enough opportunity to actually yeah. do it? So if children want to run inside all the time, all the time, take them outside. If yeah. that's where you're allowing them to run, don't stump the learning. Take it and explain to them, we need to go outside to do this activity. It's absolutely fine. Let's go and do it outside where there's more space and you can talk them through it. Don't just stop that learning because you don't want to go outside. Yeah, yeah. It's the same. we've got two Dobermans. And when mm -hmm. they start tearing around the house, and it's normally a very clear sign that they need to get out and have a walk or at least some sort of brain stimulation or something. 
Um, and I'm not comparing children to dogs, but do you know what I mean? If they're constantly showing a need to love oh, Baby Doberman is a, is, is a different cat. She'd go for an hour nursery by now. Oh, yeah, she'd be that one. Yeah, she would. Whole thing. Anyway, so that's kind of where we're on with like keeping areas safe. Um, and then I was going to talk about open space, which was kind of really already talked about. And it's, it's having access to open space to run if that's where you're going to allow them to do it. Yeah. Um, even for babies, open spaces. Don't clutter your baby rooms with loads and loads and loads of stuff. If you've got children who are crawling and learning to walk and things like that, because we all know what those uh, children are like when they just get on their feet and um, they fall down. I mean, especially... They balance everything. They're learning it. So when there's going to be a lot of accidents, uh, it's not just going to be at nursery. I'm sure there's all the parents are going to say, yeah, they do it. Their lives at home. It is what it is, but don't clutter your environment to mean that you're enhancing the risk of accidents to happen. Especially if you've not got ample amount of outdoor space and especially if you've not got ample amount of outdoor space for your babies mm. um you don't want to then suddenly clutter your indoor space and allow and will stop that physical development exactly and that freedom of movement and, and one thing i'd also say on that is not just clear the space put your provision spread it out yeah. make the child have to work <laughs> sounds awful make them have to work for it to get to, get to the different areas if you just put everything around the baby, so they don't really have to move to access anything. They can just lean over. And then if they know if they cry, you're actually going to move it closer for them. Again, we get back to that point of we're not actually... And I'm talking about a stereotypical baby that's um, got no um, learning difficulty. Like, Johnny, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm talking a very... I'm being very generic here. Um, but separate things out across the room uh, and challenge them to move across the room and challenge them to... If, if they want to go play with that aspect of the room, then they have to travel over there. I mean, again... Within With limitation of, yeah. I'm talking generically, you know your children, you know where they're at developmentally, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This will apply to some of well, the older ones more than the young ones who have only just joined you. And in that scenario, we're talking more about care. But as we're talking about physical development, yeah. that would be my my tip. Um, the next one I've got written down, right, it seems to be a bit silly, but um, tables and chairs have to be the appropriate size because... It sounds it sounds really silly, but actually, when you think about it, we know as adults sitting on little chairs all day oh. is really tough. Oh, don't you just hate those meetings in nurseries where you've got to use sit on a tiny a chair? Yes, yeah. but imagine a two-year-old sitting on a giant chair. They yeah. can't touch the floor. They can't reach the table. They can't do what they're supposed to be doing. They're not not going to benefit their physical development. So yeah, especially when we talk about eating, they've, they've not actually even learned the skills yet necessarily to hold an iron fork. So let alone challenging them to do it in a in an environment in a situation that's already uncomfortable yeah. for them. So it's just reflecting on what you've got and making sure. And if you've got children, um, I've, we've got a setting where the um, there's a baby that's come up to the twos room, and he is he's so tiny, bless him. He's so tight, can't reach the reach the sinks. So we're having to get a stool. So we can reach the sink to wash his hand because it's that next level of independence. But if we don't provide him with something that's going to help him, yeah, you've got to make sure he he's never going to be—he's never going to be able to do it. So yeah, yeah. it's just about looking about your environment and what you need to do to adapt those sorts of things. Absolutely. Um, we've touched on it a little bit, but access to the outdoors—a great way to get children moving is to get them outdoors, get them walking, get them running, get them like uh, Ben Kingston Hughes always talks about skipping, get yeah. them doing all those things that are fun. Um, 
And the, and the less space you have, the more creative. You have to be. more likely need yeah. to be, yeah. We have got some activity ideas coming at the end of the podcast, so keep listening out because I've got some different bits and bobs that might seem really simple, but actually it's good to just refresh and yeah, yeah. things going. I mean, we've um, in one of the settings, we've got a piece of kit that we, we, this setting moved from one location to another. And so in total, I think it's, I think the whole thing's about 20 odd years old. And there's a bit of kit, like an outdoor piece of kit. I think it's from Wix or some somewhere on the Wicksteed. You're talking about here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And it's a piece of kit that has been here the entire time. It must be over 20 years old by this point, but it's still going strong. Needs a lick of paint. It, it does need a lick of paint. <laughs> but do you know what? Children have loved it and it's been around for one or two decades, which is crazy. But the children absolutely love it because yeah. it gives them that freedom to just be able to climb. And and that's why the children love the forest school in the summer so much because they can climb up those trees. Yeah. And it's, there's something about inherently climbing that children just love. And often within settings where they don't get the freedom to climb and then they start to look for mischievous ways, as we would probably define it, of climbing, whether it be fences or things they shouldn't be. Tables. Instead of telling children off, we need to be looking at, right, that's again, we're sort of hitting back on what we talked about earlier. This is their inherent need. How can we provide them in a safe manner? Yeah. As opposed to just telling them off for what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of leads me on to my next one is resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, are you providing children with a variety of resources that are appropriately sized to promote those growth and fine motor skills? Yeah. Um, and th this doesn't have to be the most expensive things in the world. No. Like... I want to get away from the idea of this means, oh, you've got to go spend thousands of pounds on the kit. I mean, to be fair, that unit we've got out there, if you actually break down its yearly cost from whatever it was in 20 yeah. years ago, it's actually probably been the most valuable thing we've done. Probably. Um, but it's like you said, if you've not got access to big outdoor things, can we explain to, this would probably be a preschool children, preschool age um, or reception age, that we can use the chairs right now to build a bridge? Yeah. We can crawl under them and we can walk on top of them. But when the activity is finished, we sit on them around the tables. It's putting those boundaries in place. And then when the children want to build a bridge, that's great. Let's do it together. Yeah. Use what you've got. If they want to climb, we need to do it constructively. Help them to use the resources you've got. If yeah. not, why can't we sit underneath tables? Yeah. Why can't we crawl or even them? introduce the table as a play thing? Put the soft play around it, and that can be the just part pop. of the bridge. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think it's just about looking at, but then it's also those fine motor skills. Um, Please make sure the um, tables are in an adequate oh, yeah. state for the weight of the child. Please, <laughs> any broken tables, we will not take responsibility for. Um, but then, risk assess accordingly. Yes, yeah, please do. Your um, fine motor resources are going to look different in your baby room than they're going to look in your preschool room. Um, so again, it's just having those resources out and available, but risk assessing like scissors. Are your children ready to have free access? To I mean, resources become more and more important as children probably get older because at the baby room stage, obviously they need stuff. I'm not saying they don't, but a lot of it is in terms of just physical movement and them exploring their bodies. I mean, interestingly, when you talk about babies, development starts from the head and then it works itself down in effect because it's all about that neurological development and then reflexes, you know, sucking, swallowing, all of that comes next. And then they start to learn how to pull things close to them, swinging their arms about, and that's yeah. where that development comes. So at that point, resources are probably more fixated on individuals like human beings. Like it's your time and attention that's the key resource mixed in then with allowing them to to explore their space. Um, and then as you get into the twos and preschool, 
it becomes a bit more needy in terms of like that physical muscle growth and development. Yeah. Um, and what I was going to say with resources is there used to be a few years ago this fixation that children had to learn to write before they went to school. And there's a really good picture um, of a hand of a child and a hand of like, I can't remember how old the next one is, but they're not physically ready to do that. So it's how are we going to build up those fine motor skills yeah, yeah. for ready for, if we're just going to push them too far. Um, and again, we've got some activities coming on fine motor as well. I mean, how you teach children to do those type of things can be really, I always remember because I'm left-handed and when this is primary school education, not, not nursery, but I always remember we used to have these, um, it's called pieces of paper and the, the words used to be on the left and you then have to write them in the right-hand side. But because I'm left-handed, when I went to write them in the box, I covered them up with my hand. So I now write, and a lot of left-handed people yeah, do, do yeah. like that. So oh, this is great for audio podcast. But I wrote, I write in a way that I can see what's on the left-hand side because my hand's so high up and I write almost downwards, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you do. So again, that's very specific and very much a primary school thing, but it just goes to show the things you do teach children and the way that you deliver development and lessons does have an impact in, yeah, in, in an, an ongoing and even just little minute things. I mean, that's that's someone deciding that the the words gonna be on the left and you write it in the box on the right. Could they have adapted that for yeah. you? Yeah, you're right. And then my last one on the environment is us as the adults. Are we? I've actually written down educators who encourage children to test their capabilities and modify when needed. So it's like you said, I'm in the baby room. Mm-hmm. Have we got the confidence to let that child struggle a little bit to reach their goal, but not push them too far over the edge? Yeah, yeah. It causes the emotional stress in the preschool or two's room. Can't do it. I can't do it. Yes, you can. Encouragement because you know they are physically capable and the pride that they'll get when they finish it is really, really important. So I think that it's, it's down to us and knowing children's limits and boundaries and being able to push them further if they need to but not too far that it's going to hurt themselves or others Yeah, as well. I mean, it comes down to a big component as they get older is the element of risky play, which you touch upon in the uh, class that is coming out this month in terms of outdoor education. A lot of it comes down to risky play. And in that environment, you're going to tell me, no, we're going to get to risky play later. No, no, it's no risky play. Um, Carry on. In that environment of risk and children being able to freely take that, that risk, so much is learned. I mean, I think we've talked yeah. about this before. But I'm such a massive fan of risky play and the idea of risky play. And you break it down really well in that class because it kind of it, it, it provides children with really holistic development. Yeah, it does. Not just like physical development, because as children are climbing that tree, for example, or whatever you may have access to that a child can climb that presents more of a risk than a normal day to day. You think about they do engage back muscles, arm muscles, and everything else engaged with climbing. But equally, then there's that emotional development that they may fall and hurt themselves and dealing with that adversity, if you like. Um, with risky players, often more um, sharing and communal play involved. So there's that element of emotional development as well. So, And then there's also a massive element of strategic thinking. If a child at preschool has to figure out how to climb a tree, it may seem obvious to us. But that's quite a big, a big thing to figure out. Or if you've laid out an um, obstacle course, them having to figure out how to get from this side to that side. They have to analyze it, analyze the situation, go through the thought process of what if I do this, what if I do that. And then I often talk about as well, bringing in an element of reflection and how important reflective practices for children in terms of getting them to think about 
what did you do? Why did you do it? Was that the best way of doing it? And, and, and really get them to think, because even as adults, the best way that we learn is through reflecting. We may not realize it. You may not sit yourself down and go through a process of reflection, but we always think when we do something or we don't get it quite right, we think, oh, should have done it like that. I've done like, and then you learn, don't you? We, it's so often used as a phrase, but we learn through our mistakes. And, oh, yeah, we do. And children make mistakes all the time. That's what early childhood is all about. They're, either they're falling over, they can't do... They, they, as much as we don't label it mistakes, because emotionally that's sort of a cruel thing to do to do a child, because we allow them and we accept them making mistakes. But through these mistakes is how children learn. Yeah. And that's why we talk about risky play, physical to play. Children fall over all the time. They hurt themselves all the time. That is just what happens. It is. No, you're right. Um, so I wanted to touch on why physical play is um, so important of physical development. Um, so we've got the physical benefits that it shows, the mental well-being, and um, those brain functions. And then I've just got a few stats on sort of obesity levels right, yeah. from the last few years, just to kind of discuss childhood and why it's really important to get children moving. Um, so the physical benefit, be be get my words out, the physical benefits that we see from children pulling objects, pushing them, climbing, jumping, running the fine motor as well, mm -hmm. um, children are actually building their strong bones. Yep. They're building that bone density that they're going to need to carry them through the rest of their lives. Um, the strong muscles, like you said, when adults go to the gym, it's about building muscles, breaking them and making them stronger. It's exactly the same for children. Yep. Um, they've got better movement skills. They're going to have better movement skills throughout because their body is conditioning to moving in a certain way. Um, and then we have reduced the risk of um, heart disease, high blood pressure, obesity, and allowing children to maintain a healthy body weight when we think about those gross motor skills and physical development that we're opening children up to. Um, and I think for all of us, it's about having healthy children, healthy, happy children. Um, and don't get me wrong, everybody always says, oh, the, the baby weight, the baby fat that they get and things like that. And when children are changing all the time, their bodies go through changes, just like teenagers. Um, I mean, sometimes they grow outwards rather than upwards first. And when they get taller and sort of size out and things like that, but there is a limit. And I think we have to make sure that physical development is prominent for children. There's a real fine line between like, I'm sure everybody listening to this may have heard the term bulking. It's a bit of a bodybuilder bro type terminology, but, there is a fine line between the, the human body can't or very inadequately will build muscle whilst the human body's not receiving enough calories. So you need to be in a calorie surplus to really build and, and gain muscle because your body needs to have excess energy. Yeah. So obviously it needs a certain amount of energy to keep you functioning, keep you going during the day. It then needs excess amount of energy to be able to have that excess energy to build muscle, right? And if it doesn't have that excess of energy, it will just purely focus on keeping you alive, keep you surviving. And if it doesn't have enough of what it needs, so you're in a calorie deficit, and that's obviously what you need to do to learn to lose body fat. But equally, if you're in that for an extended period of time, it will start to take away from your muscle mass and you will just shrink effectively as a human being. Now, babies are the, are the same. They, the children of any age are, are, the, are the same. For them to grow healthily and be bodies and, and grow the muscles and grow their bones and structure like that, diet massively comes into it and they need their food. They need their fuel to I fuel do. that body. 
even more so than adults do, because in the nicest possible way, as adults, we are just declining at this point. At this stage, once you get past... I love any thought, isn't it? <laughs> but it's true. Once you get past like, the age day of, of <laughs> 21 or whatever it might be, as soon as your body stops growing, it technically is at that point yeah. just degrading, isn't it? Whereas for children, they need that calories. They need the food in them and the high quality, good food. Obviously, we all like a bit of shit every now and again. But in general, they need high quality nutrients and everything to be getting in there. Protein's really important. Carbohydrates for energy. They need these to fuel their bodies so they can do the things that you've spoken about and talked about. And this is going down that that healthy eating. And we have a brilliant class by um, a course by Louise on the website. Do, yeah. If you want to learn about more nutrition. about early years nutrition, the importance of it and how we can have a major impact. Yeah, she breaks it down really well, doesn't she? Then jump on that course with Louise. It's available on the on the network as we speak. And yeah. Absolutely. Um, getting outside and being physical also, um, not just outside, sorry, just, just physical in general. Um, and outside. Just go outside. It's mental well-being has its benefits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the reduce of anxiety, depression. I mean, exercise as a whole releases dopamine and that. And those endorphins. That, the endorphins yeah. into your head, which has is, is been linked to and shows. I mean, even just go out for a run as an adult and doing exercise, it provides you with that. They like, like to run, go for a walk. Yeah. Get your body moving Absolutely. in some way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it can improve your sleep patterns as well, which in yeah. babies is huge. Anything yeah. you can do to get them to sleep. It's always a bonus. I mean, you often hear about people who struggle to sleep and, I'm, I'm, again, I'm casting a, a wide net. There's plenty of people out there who probably do all these things and still struggle with sleep. I completely take that on board. But a lot of people, when you hear them sleep, struggle with sleep, they often don't do much exercise. Yeah. They have caffeinated drinks probably later on in the day, don't have the healthiest of diet, hooked up to the TV or games consoles until late at night and then wonder why their brain can't switch off, <laughs> sitting on the phone, social media, like these all these things. Then you look at it and go, Cause you wonder you can't switch your brain off. Yeah, you're so simulated. But getting outside and being active and moving your body can help improve your your sleep patterns. Hmm. Um, for young children as well, it's a good for building confidence. Yep. Um, like you said, with their risky play, when they achieve something, it's it's an incredible boost for them. So that's really important, um, and that increase of um, self esteem as well. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. proud of themselves. What they can do, can they do? more yeah and the concept of self-efficacy when they can see or their reflection their view yeah. of of themselves compared to others if they see someone else doing it and they they can achieve it and do it that's the whole principle of self-efficacy yeah. so the effect on mental well-being is um is huge as well so it's really important to get children being physical and then when we think about our fine motor skills we think about the impact of the brain functions so we look at children um developing hand-eye coordination um, being able to manipulate things with their hands builds good hand-eye coordination because they're linking yeah. those two things together. Um, it's the neurological pathways in their brain, exactly. isn't it? From yeah. from the um, the physical, got the word now, motor neuron cells into the the brain cells. Um, problem solving skills, like you talked about with risky play as well, but that's also with fine motor threading is a great one for that as well yeah. because. It's problem solving. Why can I not get this piece of string through? And the hole might start as like a curtain ring and it gets smaller and smaller. So it's problem solving how they're going to work it out. Um, and then stronger attention skills. Because if a child has to physically, like using scissors or a knife and fork, um, their attention is a little bit better because they can focus for longer if they're developing those skills to do a, so. A lot of this plays on as well with the class that I've put up this month with Montessori. And yeah. in that, I talk about the uh, absorbent mind the principles of uh, the classroom 
and the resources. I think off top of my head, I think lesson six and seven, I cover the environment and then I uncover the, the resources within a typical Montessori. And I, I mean Montessori is in like the approach, Maria Montessori, not necessarily the commercial body that yeah. sometimes you see nurseries class themselves as today. Um, and that often talks about giving children the freedom of the environment and also the great resources to, like you say, encourage concentration and all those aspects of, of brain development and functionality. Yeah, so I think it's it, when we think about physical development, it isn't just those physical benefits that we're seeing. Um, the impact on children's mental health and mental well-being and those brain functions is really important as well. So it's not just thinking, I'll oh, get them outside and run around, even though that's really important. No. What fine motor are we going to do to actually connect those and make those neurological pathways and keep the children functioning and going in a good and positive way. Because in a lot of ways, I'd argue that the skills of the executive function skills of concentration and motivation mm. are probably more important to learn in early childhood than being able to write your name. Yeah, I agree. Because if you can get to primary school and have that ability to concentrate and be motivated to concentrate. To learn, yeah. And it's a two-way street. I think sometimes we let children down with concentration and motivation because we either want to expect too much of them or don't give them the adequate stimulation and stuff aside from it. And we expect too much in terms of sit, learn, 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 learn. But aside from that, we can produce children as a collective, as an early years sector that have high motivation, have good, strong concentration in realistic Doses. Yeah, with expectations being re achievable. Yeah. Um, and then really solid emotional connections. They're happy people. They're happy children. They've got really strong well-being. Um, they're more likely to succeed if they want to learn and be there yeah. and are happy to be in that environment than if, if they're not. Absolutely. Um, but then looking at those physical development, uh, physical benefits, sorry, um, I do have some statistics from the House of Commons Library of January 2023. Did you go to the House of Commons Library yourself? Um, so this is so this time last year. Um, so in the 2020-2021 sample mm -hmm. that we have of children aged four to five, that's kind of as young as it goes. So our preschool into reception age group. Yeah. Um, the sample due to the COVID nineteen pandemic that um, obesity levels had increased from previous years were sat at fourteen point four percent of children aged four to five were obese. That's big as well, isn't it? And then in 2021 to 2022, so a year later, after the pandemic, 10.1% yep. um, of children aged four to five were obese and 12.1% of children aged four to five were classed as overweight. So we did see it Decline. decline. Um, so that impact on the pandemic, of the pandemic, sorry, clearly... We couldn't do much. Children couldn't go places and do things. You're only allowed outside for one hour Enters, a day. Yeah. When you actually think about it. Yeah, it, it's quite a high percentage of children, really. Um, so I think it's just realising now how important getting children moving and getting their bodies moving is because that's a number that I feel like as a sector we're probably going to bring. Yeah, I'm a, I remember how damaging COVID was. I think sometimes yeah. you forget. It seems like a lifetime going out. But I remember... Um, if we run our local community's Facebook page, there used to be people calling um, children out every day for like, oh, I've seen so-and-so's children in the park playing football with so-and-so's children. And, and I'd say, just think, oh, Christ. <laughs> no wonder though that obesity rates and because and, and, they were just probably forced to sit at home and play on the PlayStation yeah. because 
you know, if they went outside, they caused local mayhem. <laughs> um, so yeah, and and just a little bit on obesity that um, it can help, it can lead to develop health conditions in childhood and later life, including heart disease, strokes, high blood pressure, diabetes, and some cancers. Obviously, all these things can happen without yeah. obesity, but it just kind of increases that risk. And I think we don't want that for for children. And pushing forward, we need to help them be healthier. I generally, beings. I generally don't think in society as a whole, across the whole education sphere, we do enough to inform and teach children about nutrition and yeah. like what a calorie is, what the impact of calories are. Because then you don't want to go the other way where people, children become obsessed with it and and things like that. I think there's a fine. I think there is a fine line because you don't want to push children to sort of eating disorders and things like that. But I even think in, I think they come from the same place. I think obesity and, and I'm not saying eaters because there's an element. Yeah, there's an element of mental health with both of them. Yeah. And I appreciate that, absolutely. But I think with both ends of the spectrum, it's there is an element of it comes from the same place. It's the, it's the same, it's almost quite a similar thing. Mm. And I think better education, and, I, I'm, and they're the severities. I'm probably talking probably more in the middle of all yeah. of this. Um, I think better education would just generally help people. People generally don't understand to a high enough level, probably the impact of what certain calories does and what that impact on your body is. And and as much as I, I'm not just saying this from a point of you have to eat this amount of food. I mean, the whole men have to eat 2,400 calories thing is absolute nonsense. If I ate 2,400 calories every day, I'd be dieting and be, I'll be drop. So and I'll be so moody. He would be horrific. So like that number is just, they're probably generalizing a number from your granddad in his 90s to me at the age of well, nearly 30. Um, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? That's probably just a massive generalization. And in, in reality, that doesn't work. Bodies are all different. Everyone's think, an individual. Yeah. I think what I wanted to get at was let's give children the best start, moving their bodies, um, having an understanding of what they're putting in their bodies, but also making it fun and making it not, don't pressure it because that's another thing that children then grow to hate yeah, physical and, exercise and, and just being part of their everyday. And don't be scared of food. Understand it, respect it, know what it does to your body, yeah. know the impact, know what calories are, know what macronutrients are, what carbohydrates does for your body, what protein does for your body. Understand it. And we don't provide, and early as it's difficult because that's quite, uh, that, I'm more talking now probably secondary primary, but secondary school education. Include these things. Yeah. Talk about it because it's a real thing. It's, it's, it's going to have a real impact. And it's the same like with opening up a bank account and understanding financial things and mortgages and all the things you have to pay. We don't teach children to set them up to succeed no. in the world. Yeah, and that's what I mean. In early years, what are we going to do to set them up to succeed and have healthy bodies yeah. moving forward? Um, so to round up, I just thought I would talk through some activity ideas. I'll split it up into fine motor, gross motor, and then health and self-care because that's what's broken down in sort of our physical development yeah. when we look at in early years. Um, so for fine motor, we've got Play-Doh, a fantastic way to get children using their fine motor skills yep. in their hands and um, cutting activities again age appropriate and if they're ready to do so but it's a really good one too for hand-eye coordination as well threading like we talked about um great hand-eye coordination it doesn't have to be your typical rope and beads you could no. thread anything um well you said earlier like curtain holes curtain rings oh, yeah, yeah those things sure. you can do um tweezers are a great one those big chunky tweezers to move resources Yep. around and find them, go outside, do bug hunts, but then you're using all sorts of muscles and fine motor skills as well. Um, construction activities are always really good yep. uh, for fine motor because picking up bricks and putting them in 
and working out how gently or heavy you need to yeah, move yeah. Um, different objects as well is really good because you help children to understand their grip on different it's, resources as well. It's like, have you ever seen a preschooler around um, that supersized Jenga? You know, the massive yeah. Jengas you can get. The pre they lose their mind half the time and they love playing... Um, with the pull now, figure out because if I do this, what's the consequence of doing this? Yeah. You've got to do it soft, slow. You've got to tense your arm to move it. So yeah, absolutely, exactly. those type of things. Um, and then feeding yourself with a spoon, cutting knives and with knife and fork, things like that. Great fine motor skills, but also linked to their independence um, and health and self care as well. Um, that's why we should encourage babies to use a spoon when they're physically able to. It's yep. going to go everywhere. It's going to get messy, but. They need to try and learn those skills themselves. Absolutely. Um, gross motor, a dance party. I love a dance party. Get the bodies moving, fun with uh, songs they want to listen to. Just get everybody having fun. Songs they want to listen to, or is it ABBA? Sometimes ABBA. <laughs> Everyone wants to listen to ABBA. Um, I remember when I was in a preschool once, um, George Ezra shotgun up. No, just oh. the song shotgun. And now that song just takes me back to being in that preschool room with the CD of George Ezra. Actually, it's not about George Ezra, because remember when we saw him live at Latitude last year? Some girl was... Look, do you see the amount of children that were genuinely really excited to see George Ezra? No, but like it was significantly more than any other actor yeah. I've ever seen. And like there was tons of that little girl that George Ezra um, hoodie oh, and t-shirt on. And there were so many, like almost preschool age children, just yeah. genuinely really excited to see George Ezra. Nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Be well, By the end of the concert, he'll sleep in those. Yeah, in the little fully things. But, but yeah, I think have dancing is a great way, and again, it's good for your mental health. Me and Lucy yeah. talked about music and things in um, the previous podcast. And it genuinely just makes you feel good when you're dancing to something you love. It's good for the team working in the room as well. Have yeah, a bit of fun. You do it. Um, you've got running. Again, great way for gross motor skills. Get yep. running around. Climbing trees we've talked about. Obstacle course again. Wicked. You're doing different things. Get them to build the obstacle course. Get them to move it themselves and lifting and things. Um, and then yoga is great for gross motor skills because even yourself have had to yeah. tap into that type of movement recently. Yeah, it is. Coming up to 30 bad back. God, yeah. It's quite depressing. I'm getting no, old though. I now have to stretch before I lift anything. Otherwise, I'm in pain. You're moving your body. So getting children to practice yoga. And again, it could be mental health as well to slow down and reflect. But breathe. And breathe in a certain way. Yeah, getting those lungs moving and working in the right way. So you try to train your body to breathe more through your nose rather than your mouth. Yeah. So it, that's, I thought, for gross motor as well. Um, and then health and self-care, having drinking water accessible for children for independence. Yep. Um, so that they know they've got to drink water to keep their bodies going and hydrated and things. Um, tissues and face cloths, being able to use them themselves yep. as well. Again, fine motor, but also independence of keeping themselves clean and things. Um, and then helping, allowing children to help with dressing and undressing, which can be one of the most tedious things because I can't do it, can't. No, and, and a few of our right. settings have started to do PE classes, didn't they? And yeah. get children, because that was one of the biggest feedback we had from some of the local schools is children are brilliant, but PE is an absolute nightmare trying to get them to change clothes. Well, clothes to change clothes. And they yeah, use most yeah. of their PE time getting changed. But even if sometimes your PE sessions are just getting, just changed. getting changed, then that's a great physical skill anyway, and it's also part of your health and self-care. And so, it's probably the one area that, like, in terms of home development, like parents probably dress a lot of children quite quickly because yeah, you know, 
how time sensitive are mornings. Yeah. So if the, you know they're faffing about, right, right, let me put them on, da, 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 out the door and go. Yeah, they're probably never other than maybe the weekends. Then do they really get the opportunity to dress themselves? Yep. So it's it's just a way we can incorporate that. So there's some activity ideas on Monday as well. There will be the activity guide for fine motor going out on Instagram as well. Yeah, so have a look at that. Uh, breaks it down what you need, how you can do it, and the benefits of those individual activities a little bit more. Beautiful. Um, in depth. And like I said, my class that will cover some of these things plus more is going to be up on the network probably in February. So look out for it. Look out for it. Yeah, but that is physical activity, physical development um, in early years. Let us know what you do to yeah. promote physical development. Um, and yeah, that's that's all. Perfect. Well, that was what we on 41 minutes. Actually, well timed for us. Normally we hit the hour mark. I know, normally we just... Chew your ear off for Apple. <laughs> Apologies, everyone. And if there is anything that you guys want to hear us talk about, any topics, um, yeah, let us know. Let us know whether it be on Instagram, TikTok, whatever it may be. Just yeah. drop us a message and just say, "Oi, can you talk about this for me, yeah, please?" I and think, we'll um, get to it. Maths and shape, space, and measure has come up. And co-regulation and helping emotions. I think that one actually might be one we do. Relatively soon, I think. Yeah. Because I've got a class coming up on co-regulation, so it'd be nice to tie it with a little bow. Yeah. So I hope you have enjoyed this um, this episode of the podcast. Um, it's quite nice to talk about something really practical that people are doing yeah. every day and get some activity ideas out there for everyone. So hope it's been beneficial. And uh, we will see you in the next one. We will indeed. See you later. See you later, guys. Bye.